For this morning, I decided to focus our attention using the words of Psalm 100. But rather than me just read that, many of our kindergarten and first grade students have been memorizing that text. And so they are going to be the ones to read the text for us this morning. Now the hard part, you have to go back and find your parents, where you were sitting before. If you're anything like me throughout this week, you've had to remind yourself, what day is it? And it feels like a Sunday today as we gather together because we are here doing what we do almost every single Sunday of the year, coming into this place to worship God. But as we begin our reflections on Psalm 100, the question I want you to start thinking about is, why? Why do you come to this place all of the time to worship God? What is it that draws you here, that motivates you to give up your time this morning and on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings to, to come here? Or using the, the language of the psalm, with what do you come before God? Now, as we think about that, I would guess that if you're like me, and if we're truly honest, the answer to that question oftentimes isn't the right one or the greatest of answers. There are times when we come into his presence with wanting. That the main reason we gather here is because we want to get something from this experience or something from our relationship with God. We remember and have experienced times of great worship where our emotions just flooded over and we were brought near to tears with the joy and knowing that God was with us. And because we hunger for that emotional experience, we come hoping that it will be replicated. Or if it's not the emotions, maybe it's our minds. We come because we want answers. 
We hope that the children we bring with us will, will hear something that will finally convict them or, or draw them into God's presence. We come with our questions and our concerns and we come to get answers for those questions. Or maybe we come hoping to get a reward Thinking that we have a relationship with God that's such that if we do our time, if we come here and we put in our worship, then that means that we will get something in return from God. Here, God, if I do this for you, then you're going to do something for me. Not the least of which, if we think wrongly, might be the gift of eternal life. I, I came and I worshiped you, and so now, God, you owe me. Now, to be abundantly clear, not all of that is bad. I do hope that the emotions are spur stirred at times and the Holy Spirit touches our hearts. And it's a wonderful thing when he does. And we should go to scriptures for the answers to life's questions that we have. And we, we do hope to learn and to grow in our relationship with God and benefit just by being here. But if mainly the reason we come is to get something, that's going to fall short. Because if we don't get what we were expecting, well then we'll just stop coming. Or, or we'll start finding another church that might give us those things that we want to get from these experiences. And in the end, if that's our attitude, it becomes very self-focused. Worship is about me and what I gain from the experience, first and foremost. In correlation to that, some of us come with concern or fear. It's the opposite of what I said, that not are we motivated by rewards, but we worry that if we don't show up, well, then we will be punished. That if we don't develop our relationship with God, that there's this God there that's ready to, to get us back. You didn't do what you were supposed to, and now you're going to pay the penalty. I'm going to take away from your life. Or some enter with obligation. We are here because we have to be. It's routine. And we know that our parents or our siblings are going to notice and say something. And so uh, we better just show up and do our duty. And again, I will confess, there are times when that's true. And, and quite frankly, there's a lot of things that we do in life, not necessarily because we want to, but we know we need to because it's good for us and for others. And sometimes that is what happens with our coming here. But I ask that question, and I encourage you to think about that, because the answers that I just gave are such contrast to what we see in Psalm 100. In Psalm 100, in those verses, what we primarily hear is the idea that it's not for the benefit of the author or, or an exchange relationship with God, but we are called in verses 1 and 2 to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into his presence with singing. This simple psalm, memorized by our children, is one that just invites us to come into worship, not out of obligation or duty, but primarily because this is a place where we are entering into God's presence and we can, we get to, we are blessed to do so with joy. 
And the psalm goes on to tell us why. Why we can enter into this presence with thanksgiving. The main reason given in verse 3 is because we know that the Lord, he is God. Now, if you still have your Bibles open, you will notice that that word Lord is in all capital letters, meaning that it's a translation of the word Yahweh, that divine name of God that was revealed to Moses in the burning bush, that covenant name that he revealed himself by as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when we say that the Lord, he is God, we are saying that our God is not just one of many gods that are out there, the best of the other options. No, he alone is God. And even in saying that, I think in our simple and human minds, it's hard to even grasp what we are claiming when we say that. We are claiming that our God is all-powerful. That there is nothing that he cannot do in his might and in his strength. We are always subject to his mercy and the control of this world. That our God as God is omniscient and omnipresent. That he knows everything and he is everywhere at all times. There is no place that we can go where he does not see us. There is no thought we can think, no thing we can do that he does not know about and is unaware of. Because he knows, sees all because he is everywhere. That our God is eternal. That he has always and forever existed. He has no beginning. He will have no end. He alone is the uncreated being that exists. And as I mentioned creation, that's where the psalm turns our attention to next. It says, it is he who made us. Now, in looking at that, there's two options for what that can mean in terms of where our attention is supposed to be drawn. On the one hand, it's that simple idea that he is the creator. God made us. That God made everything that exists. When we think about how big this planet is. And all of the diversity of its, its landscapes and geography. Each part of that was shaped by his hand. That he put the moon to orbit the earth and the sun where it is and all of the stars and the galaxies that they inhabit in their places. And he upholds them and he governs them, knows them by name. And that's the bigness of our God. And yet he's also the God that did not design the DNA that makes everything unique in and of itself. That, that makes certain trees to be evergreen trees and other ones to allow them to shed their leaves in a beautiful display each and every single year. Our God is a creator making everything and, and he made us. The testimony of scripture is that each one of us was knit together in our mother's wombs. And everything that we like about ourselves and even the things that we don't are things that he fashioned about you because he designed you uniquely. And so when we think about God making us, that's one of the options and where our attention is supposed to go. 
Another option is just to continue with it, is that uh, also a very good option, and both of them fit. But it might be more likely what the focus of the psalm is, that is, he made us to be his people. That in this whole world of his creation, human beings that were meant to live in a relationship with him, all of which rebelled against God, turned their back against him, God in his grace and his mercy, rather than immediately judging and condemning all humanity and sending them from his presence forever, God decided to form a special relationship with some. And he said, of all of the people of the earth, I will make a relationship with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And so the celebration is not only that God created us, but he has formed a relationship, a special and unique relationship with us. Now, the psalmist looked back at their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they recognized that being born into the people of Israel afforded them the blessings of that covenant relationship. And therefore, it was a reason to praise God. But for us, we have all the more reason. Because when we think about what it means to be made God's people... To receive in our baptism the seal of those promises that continue where God says, I am your God calling us by name and you are my people. We know what it meant and what it took to make us God's people. We know that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life suggesting that it wasn't because of how good we are or the great things we've done, but it was only by the mercy of God shown through the sacrifice of Jesus, where he, bearing the wrath of God upon our sins, allows us to be forgiven. And that is what makes us God's people. That is the love that he has for you. That's what he was willing to do in order to make you his. So whether we focus our attention just on being created or more likely focus on the fact that God made us his people, what a reason to praise. Which is why the psalm goes on to continue to just reiterate that call Because of those things, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Since the Lord is God, since he made us and or made us his people, we shouldn't be motivated by obligation or by fear or by any benefit or reward that we expect. But the heart of our worship should always come with thanking our God. Since God has given us so much, especially in the person and death of Jesus, because we have received these promises sealed to us in our baptisms so that we know that we are his, the only appropriate response is praise and thanksgiving. But if that's not enough, not only is the Lord God, but as it says in verse 5, the Lord is good. That word good can mean a whole lot of different things in the English language, but each one of them applies to our God. Our God is righteous. Our God is holy. Our God is a God of love. 
Our God is a God that was so good to us that rather than giving us what we deserve, he has given us his love and he has blessed us. I know that this psalm is pretty simple. I know that this message is not overly profound or saying anything radically new, and I hope it's just a wonderful reminder of what God has done for you to encourage your thanksgiving. But that's the whole point. Yes, there are times when we will struggle in our relationship with God, wondering what he's up to and what he's doing. Yes, there are times when we have to force ourselves to come into this place. But I pray, I long, I hope for that heart for all of you that knows and appreciates the God that you are invited to come to this place to worship to such that every time you come here, you come with a joyful expectation in the hope of meeting with the great God that he is. And so that's the encouragement, especially today, to not worship for what you get from God, to not worship because you have to, but that we inspire hearts that recognize God for who he is and the great things that he has done and that that mostly would inspire us to just truly worship him for all of that. Toward that end, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we are a selfish people that often do things only if we feel like we will benefit from it. And I thank you that in your mercy, you accommodate much of that, that we do benefit by gathering, that we are blessed by being here, that there is joy in knowing you and our lives go better when we apply your word to them. But rather than being focused on ourselves, especially in this day of thanksgiving and, and throughout our lives, my great prayer is that we would mostly come to these places and in these times to worship you for the God that you are. To recognize and remember your greatness that is undescribable and hard for us to even imagine. That we would come to praise you for making us and in recognizing that you made us, that we would submit ourselves to your design for our lives. To praise you for being a covenant God. That in your grace and mercy have loved us to the point of sending your only son to sacrifice himself for us. And for all of those reasons, we come today and every day into your presence with thanksgiving. With joyful hearts to praise you for all that you are. Thank you for that blessing. May your name be glorified in all we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.